Welcome and thank you for listening to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Whether you're streaming, downloading, I hope you are subscribing. It really helps the podcast if you subscribe and it will ensure that every single Thursday morning that this show gets released, you get it as soon as it get re- gets released. And any bonus shows that we put out, you're going to get those too. Another way you can help the podcast is by going over to iTunes, leaving us a positive rating, a positive review, and... Should be ready by next week. Very soon, um, I'll have some information on how you can be a part of a new premium wing of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast that's going to include uh, ad-free shows, that's going to include uh, brand new content, new episodes, a, a whole new show, very, very exciting things in store for Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. The most uh, immediately exciting thing is that the show is starting right now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh, and with that we begin. Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Uh, Coming off of a huge week, I guess this is the first Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast on the road to WrestleMania and what road it's on. We'll talk about this in the state of wrestling, but, you know, the last, I don't know, I feel like several years, the beginning of the road to WrestleMania has been met with uh, much skepticism, you know? It's been met with like, oh, yeah, we've got time to fix this. Most of the time... And I'm sorry, I think it's true, At the by the end of the Royal Rumble, a lot of us are thinking, it could still get better, right? It, they, they could fix it. There's a lot of time before WrestleMania. Wait, let's just see where this is going. The most positive among us are saying, wait, let's just see where this is going. You know, coming off of this Royal Rumble, for the first time in several years, the road to WrestleMania appears to be paved in gold. Right now... I don't think anybody has any reason to be anything other than optimistic as we head towards WrestleMania 34 in New Orleans, especially coming off of that Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble really is the mark of of how it's going to go. It seems like, based on what we saw at the Royal Rumble, the WWE, this WrestleMania season, hopefully it will maintain, has a new focus on combining. Instead of just picking one or the other, combining what the hardcore fans want and what mainstream may like, what could attract new fans through through mainstream. Usually, they just go for the mainstream, and we kind of just accept it. Look, WrestleMania is not for us. You know, a lot of the times the hardcore fans, we just go, look, WrestleMania is not for us. Let's just wait till SummerSlam. I don't know. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll throw together another amazing Great Balls of Fire or something. That one will be for us. We'll take the L on WrestleMania because that's what we do. But you know what? I don't think we're going to have to take the L on WrestleMania this year. A lot to talk about as we lead to WrestleMania. A lot to talk about uh, uh, from the weekend. Royal Rumble. Of course, NXT TakeOver Philly. I was there. I have a very unique perspective on everything that went down. So we'll get to all that. I'll talk about my experience there as well as what I thought of both shows. I spent a good amount of time in the audience. You know, a lot of times when you're at these shows, when you're backstage working the kickoff shows, you end up watching the majority on a screen in the back, which is fine because the commentary's up and it's, it's literally the same thing as watching at home. 
So it's still, you get the same experience. But I made it a point at both TakeOver and the Royal Rumble to get out into the audience and uh, and watch several, several of the most memorable moments from out there. So I'll talk about all that coming up in the state of wrestling. Uh, but first, we want to get to our interview this week. Uh, Titus O'Neil. If you read the title before you download the podcast, you already know this. Titus O'Neill is my guest on the podcast. I haven't spoken to Titus in, uh, recorded anyway, I haven't done an interview with him in a few years now. And a lot's happened since then. Titus is a really interesting guy. And so much of his story, while maybe it's been told in some spots, doesn't really get translated through television. Uh, stuff that happened in his childhood, where he came from, how charitable he is. We always hear about some of the bigger stars in WWE, some of the more main event, quote-unquote, guys, and how much they do for charity. But the stuff that Titus O'Neil is doing is amazing because he's doing it on his own. It's not even WWE-sponsored charity. It's just stuff that he's doing in his downtime because he believes in the cause, probably because of how he came up and and where he came from and and the circumstances around that. So we talked a lot about who he is as a person and where he came from. We also talked about his career. We talked about uh, his time in the primetime players, his time in NXT, make it a win, getting suspended for 60 days. We get completely into that, uh, going up uh, into what's going on now with Titus. Whoa, what? The whole deal. In fact, well... I'll save that for the bridge segment. Let's just get right into it. Uh, My guest this week, a nice uh, extended interview. I love when I get some real time with people and we can break it down. And that's exactly what we did this week with the man himself, the founder of Titus Worldwide, Titus O'Neill. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Well, I guess we've spoken recently, but it's it's the first time in a long time we've, we've... Sat down and recorded something. Titus O'Neill is here. Titus. What's going on, man? What's the haps, man? Not much. Just getting ready for Raw 25. Yeah. 25th anniversary. Longest running episodic television show in television history. Would you kind of think back now, amazed? Because you've, you've now been with the company for a long time. I think yeah. I think a lot of people don't realize quite how long you've been there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like, do you think, like, wow, it's been, like, are, are, is it these moments that makes you realize how long you've been there, how much you've seen, how much you've really done? Yeah, I mean, it's it's actually um, pretty astonishing to me for a guy that, you know, didn't have plans on doing this at all, mm-hmm. uh, to have the tenure I've had up to this point, um, and to be able to see the things that I've seen, you know, not just at WrestleMania, but, like, small moments, like, the 800th show or 900th show or something like that. And now the 25th anniversary, uh, see guys come back, see Undertaker come back, uh, Stone Cold, Steve Austin, The Rock. I'm not saying that they're going to be on the 20th, all going to be on the 25th But you anniversary. see them come in and but out. But see them come yeah. in and out. And, you know, these are guys that I, I watched a lot throughout college. Yeah. Uh, and during my younger years. And to see, you know, now that I'm working with them and working in a company that's kind of helped set the – Set the uh, the precedent for a lot of things, from a social media standpoint to uh, cameras. You know, the XFL uh, is a large reason as to why certain camera angles are shot in other sports now. Yeah, wasn't it amazing? You, you watched the XFL thirty for thirty. Yes, and it really did. I thought they did a good job of driving that point home. Of like, 
look, the uh, the, like the skyline camera, the mics right. on the coaches, right. like all this stuff, because you can say what you want about WWE, whether right. you like the content or you don't like the content, but in terms of production value. Um, there's nobody out there better. Yeah, and and the risks they'll take, right? Like, yeah. like this network, the yeah. WWE network. Yeah. Now we kind of look at it, well, of course there's a WWE network, and of course there's a million however many subscribers. Right. But when they announced it, it was like, number one, no company really had a stream live streaming media service because right. this is more than Netflix. It's, yeah. You're talking live TV, and we're putting so much behind it that they're like we're getting out of the pay per view business, yeah. which yeah. has been in the bread and butter for so yeah. long. Yeah. So, was there any are, when when decisions like that are made? As much as I'm sure you have faith in the company, are there nerves being like this isn't this is my money? This isn't just the company money, and if we're getting out of the pay per view business, and this network thing doesn't work. Like this is this is me. I I I mean honestly I, I hadn't been with the company that long mm-hmm. to kind of see that business aspect of it. I see. Um. So for me, it was just like, oh, we got something new. How's this gonna affect me uh, as a performer? Uh, some people were worried about the pay, man, which right de- deservedly so. But for me, like, how can I utilize this to? become even a bigger personality in the company uh if you have your own network then that means they're going to need tons of content because nobody's going to sit there and watch wrestling all day long so you need variety need different things and so for me i looked at it as like what what can i do to kind of help uh make this transition even easier for me as a performer you know be able to show people show myself in a different light host a show you know there have been several performers that have hosted shows on the on the network uh be a part of shows that are on the network and so uh for me it's always been about you know if the company is expanding how can i expand with the company have you did you pitch any things yeah i pitched a few things um None of them, which, I mean, I just ride along would probably be the only thing that I would think that, you know, me and Darren talked about, you know, because we just used to have so much fun on the road. Yeah. And next thing you know, there's a show called Ride Along, and we never appeared on the episode yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, um, the, uh, I wanted to do something because I have so many contacts in, in sports. Yeah. Uh, where, especially, um, and it was at the same time that SEC Network was doing something in the summer, I mean, in the leading up to football season, uh, where I would go to different campuses and you know talk a little bit of wrestling, but kind of bring a different perspective about sports and and entertainment in general. You know, interview some of the coaches, interview some of the players. Uh, there would always be some aspect of wrestling brought up, but it'd sure. be more so a different show because, like I say, nobody wants to really just watch wrestling all day long. You know, you want to learn. Uh, the social views on certain, you know, from certain different people. Sure. You want to learn things about finances from certain people. You know how to manage your finances. Uh, you know people that like to cook. I like to cook. Mm-hmm. I like to dress. So I want to talk to people that like to uh, do things outside of their sport. You know, um, Marcellus Bennett uh, is, or Martellus Bennett is one of those guys that like does things outside of sports. Um, that you you know, and a lot of guys in NFL that you know are artists or entertainers, entertainers and musicians, and they're very good at what they do. But because they wear a helmet, shoulder pads, and and you know jerseys, a lot of times people don't get to see that side of them, much like with us as performers. Yeah. So is that something you're sympathetic to? Because I think it's even more so with uh, wrestlers than other athletes, because you guys 
portray characters that are either using your real names or using names that we believe to be your real names, right? Like right. the idea still with with WWE is that on some level there is no separation between person and character. Right. And so, you know, as far as as far as any of us fans are concerned, your your number one priority is just being the head of Titus Worldwide, right? right? Like right. like we don't we don't see that. So I think it, it's probably worse in in the world of wrestling than it is in oh definitely athletics. definitely we come with a lot of stereotypes uh, mm -hmm. uh, a lot more stereotypes than most sports simply because of you know I mean historically speaking we have been the crazy renegade type people and right. there were issues in the past uh, with you know rock and roll lifestyles and stuff like that right uh, but you know as I tell people all the time during interviews or in public or in, in private uh, I feel like I work with some of the best human beings. Uh, in the world, uh, and the most respectful uh, human beings in the world. Some of them may not, you know, see things too far outside of the wrestling or the walls of wrestling, just because it's all they've consumed their lives with. Yeah. But they're great human beings. They're great people. Uh, they understand that that we have a multi-billion-dollar company to represent. But more importantly, as individuals, we got to represent ourselves. Uh, we're all independent contractors. And uh, we're all building brands, you know. My, yeah. my brand just happens to be the number one brand in WWE right now. <laughs> so, you know, and there's also, of course, the stigma with wrestlers not being taken seriously when compared to other athletes. Right. Right, because of, 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 of scripting or whatever. Right. Do you, do you find that to be the case with athletes? Or is that just, like, do athletes generally get it at this point that wrestling is this whole other subset of athleticism like you the the, the yeah. skills that you need to be to pull this off yeah believe it or not like so you know i speak at a lot of college campuses right and nfl campuses uh and nba teams as well and they all have a, a a genuine respect for it they don't understand a lot of stuff so they ask a lot of questions all the time questions that i was asking before i got into the business too i was asking dave you know is this fake and do y'all really yeah, yeah dave batista um, do y'all really do this? And this, when this happens, you know, so I, I had the same questions, but then the respect level of what we do. Um, and then when they find out, oh, you guys don't have you because they, the number one question is, well, when are your days off or when is your off season? And I look at them, I'm like, we don't have an off season. Right. Uh, and our off days are usually one, two days a week. And we usually work in three to five days a week. And we're not just working. And that's just forever. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not just doing it, you know, within the United States. I could be in New York City today and be in Abu Dhabi tomorrow. Sure. And uh, they were like, wow, I didn't, we didn't know that, you know. I say, of course. And you don't know that we're doing a show in New York and then driving to Philadelphia and driving there and then driving there or flying across the country uh, all in successive, day, successive days. Um and it's hard for people to grasp, oh, I just saw him on television, but then he's in Tampa now. Right. And the television's all live. Right. It's not like yeah. you can bank a whole bunch of TV right. at right. the beginning of the month and yeah. just and just go. Um, was that tough for you when you first got in, like, to realize, like, say your first WrestleMania, and then you realize, like, Raw is tomorrow. Like, there is yeah. no... Because there is this feeling, right? Like, a WrestleMania is, like, the culmination of a year's worth of hard work, right? right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the next year starts the next night. Correct. So it's not like there's ever there's a no, moment no. of... No, it's like like we're getting ready for the Royal Rumble, right? Right. But, but so you go, and this has been on my mind, it's like Raw 25 is like Raw 25, Raw 25. Yeah, but the Royal Rumble's in six days. Mm -hmm. Then it's going to be like it doesn't... Mm -hmm. 
It never stops. So, right. And that's what I think that's one of the driving points to all of us as performers. It's like, okay, I may have not, I may not have done, did anything last week, but next thing you know, I could literally go in today and, oh, we're you're going to be our next intercontinental champion or you're going to be our you know you're going to be our next tag team champion or you're going to be our next world heavyweight champion like nobody ever knows and that's the beauty of it it's mm-hmm. like uh but if you keep plugging away plugging away plugging away and having good moments on a consistent basis uh you get placed with more opportunities and hopefully take advantage of those opportunities so is that how you stop yourself from being complacent it's like look this is the one company in the world where the one thing we know is we're going to have shows yeah. there's going to be a lot of shows yeah. which means at some point, even if I don't feel like I'm getting opportunity right now, it's going to come back around. Well, I, I have a different take, and I think I learned this probably two, maybe maybe a year or two of this. It's like it's predetermined, right? Mm-hmm. So if if they want, they can make this cup the WWE World Universal Champion. Sure. Right? Sure. So knowing that, but also knowing that I'm a college graduate, two-time college graduate, I, I could go and do a million other things and make really good money. I, I've invested my money very well. Mm-hmm. If I come to work and they tell me I have a match, great. They tell me I don't have a match, well, I'm going to go to dot-com people. I'm going to try to figure out what I can do on social media. So you'll go to them. Yeah. Yeah. And because the thing of it is I came to work. Right. You know, I didn't come to just eat catering or I didn't come to just – spend money on a hotel and not do anything. So while I'm gone, I have two sons. They're now, when my when I started this, my kids were three and five. Mm-hmm. They're now 11 and 13. Wow. And I'm missing football games sometimes. I'm missing basketball games. I'm missing birthday parties. I'm missing Christmas on some occasions. I, I would be a fool not to come to work every day with the idea of, you know what? I'm gonna find something that I can do to make myself better as a performer and to enhance the product of the WWE. So even if you don't get something on air one day, right. you're still going to spend the evening like trying to find some way to at least know when you go to bed that night, well, this is going to help me somewhere. Well, I, I, I watch this and talk to this person about that and I'm, I'm learning this new trait, something like that. Yeah, it's just using your platform. Like I know I can cause a whole lot of trouble with this thing. Yeah. Or I can cause a lot of whole lot of change. Mm-hmm. It's just a decision that I need to make, mm-hmm. and that trouble is nine times out of ten based on not how I feel, but what I believe. So if I believe something, and it may be you know it may not be the total belief of everyone else, uh, that's fine. It's what I believe, and I'm willing to go you know to whatever grave that is considered your career grave or whatever. Um, and I think a lot of people are just scared to be themselves, be authentic, be who you are. You know, I think that that's what translates with me, no matter where 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 I go, is that I'm not going to compromise who I am uh, for the sake of, uh, you know, saving face for other individuals or whatever it may be. With you know, to me, if I put a little bit of poop in this water, mm-hmm. would you drink it? Just a little bit. No. Right. So no, I'm not. Yeah. yeah. Uh-uh. So if I. If I put a whole lot of poop in here, you still wouldn't drink. Definitely water. not. Either way, no. So the truth is the truth. Right. You know, <laughs> right. there's no. You I'm know, not drinking poop water. Yeah. Right. 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 So that that's how I feel about truth. I feel like you know, um, I don't have to, and how I feel about being me, mm-hmm. uh, and how I feel other people should be, uh, especially 
when you have a platform like we have. Uh, it gives you an opportunity to really help change a lot of people's lives and encourage folks. How long did it take you to get comfortable in your role as a WWE superstar and really feel like I have a grip on what this thing is? Because, I mean, that, that's, the, that's the key, right? You can't be good at it mm-hmm. unless you can really wrap your arms around it and figure out what is this thing that I'm doing. I think the number one thing is that I just decided, you know what, I'm going to have fun at this job. Right. You know, if they're going to pay me to go out and have fun, it's going to be physical at times. It's going to be entertaining at times. It's going to be very upsetting at times. And sometimes it's going to be very exhilarating. And I know that I'm going to go through this roller coaster uh, because I'm in the entertainment industry. Just like a musician may be at the top year in 2015 and then 2016, you never heard anything. And then 2019, all of a sudden they back on top again. Uh, for me, it's always been about consistency, and uh, I feel like just it doesn't matter if I was a WWE superstar. It doesn't matter if I was in the NFL and starting quarterback. It doesn't matter if I was a head football coach at the University of Florida or Texas or wherever. I'm going to be who I am, period. Right. Uh, and fortunately, fortunately, who I have become uh, due to the fact that people invested in me when they had nothing to gain in return as a youth, uh, I've been able to help change a lot of lives, raise a lot of money, send a lot of kids to college, uh, help a lot of families. And to me, that's being, you know, a role model, period. Uh, as a father, um, as a son, as a brother, uh, as a teammate, as a coworker, uh, for me, uh, it's not about being a WWE superstar. It's about being a good human being. WWE superstar is who I, or what I do for a living. It's not, not who, who I are. am for a living. Right. Who and, invested uh, in you uh, as, a, as a young person? Uh, first and foremost, the Florida Sheriff's Youth Ranches. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to a place called the Florida Sheriff's Boys Ranch when I was 12 years old. And uh, up to that point, I'd been told I'd be dead or in jail by the time I was 16 because I got in trouble a lot, bullied people, got bullied. You're a big kid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, big, skinny kid. But, but tall. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you grew up in like a rough neighborhood? Yeah, very, yeah. I grew up in a project. So, right. Yeah. Um, my mom was raped at a very young age, at 11, had me at 12. Wow. And uh, so we kind of bounced from family member to family member's home and, uh, you know, subsequently homeless at times too. And uh, so... But this fight for survival thing was like built into you. Yeah. There was no, it's not, I think a lot of us who kind of have more traditional upbringings, like, yeah, we're willing to work for it. But the idea of literally fighting for survival is not built in to us, right? Right. Well, not only that, yeah, not only that, also learning how to work with what you have. Right. You know, because that's the only option you have. Right. Uh, And there were a lot of times when my mom was faced with, uh, you know, are we going to eat tonight or are we going to keep the lights on? And we needed to eat. Right. But we also needed lights because it was cold and we needed heat. So we'll wait till we go to school in the morning to eat. We need to pay this light bill. Right. Um, A lot of people aren't faced with that situation that I crossed paths with, but then there are a lot many that share even worse stories sure. that I grew up with. Um, and so for me, it's just really, I think, like I say, if I, if all four of us that are in this room were sitting in the hospital, and I always equate this to, to people protesting or people wanting to be political, I'm not a political person. Mm-hmm. You know, I vote, uh, 
Uh, but I, I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican or independent. doesn't matter to me. Let's do what's right because it's right. Mm-hmm. But if all four of us were sitting in the room, not one time would I ask this gentleman, well, how much money did you make last year? Right. If we're all sitting in the room and our, all of our moms are suffering and we're trying to figure out how are we going to help save our moms from suffering from breast cancer or dying from breast cancer, you could care less what religion I practice, whether he's gay or straight, whether I'm you know black, white, purple, or what I'm mixed with, or where I went to college. We're all there for the same reason, which is, man, we want to try to save our mom. Isn't that amazing? Like when it comes down to it, there is that thing built into us as people that we can be just yeah. human beings yeah. and recognize that. But it's like I feel like even more and more these days until people get pushed to that point, yep. they don't want to. I don't know if they want to – if there's just not those complications. So they want – they need this sort of complicated dynamic in their lives. They need to have an enemy. I don't know what it is, but I, I feel like it's one of those things that now – reaches across the board it's 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 very unfortunate yeah for the society that you know to be the way that it is but here's the reality that i've come to find unless it affects certain people economically Mm -hmm. it's not an issue and if it's not a tragedy it's not an issue or if it's not personal it's not an issue when it becomes personal to certain people so if if uh, I take, for instance, so I go, my kids go to a, a, a school in a pretty affluent area. If it was freezing cold and um, my kids' AC or whatever, I mean, the heat was not working well in the school and they still got forced to go to school, I, I guarantee you the majority of people that live in my neighborhood around my area would be raising hell down at City Hall. Sure. But just across the ta- across town, if they're dealing with the same situations, people are looking from my neighborhood some, most of the times and saying, oh, those poor people. Oh, those poor people. Somebody should do something about that. Well, because your kid's not involved. Right. You're waiting for somebody else. Waiting for somebody else to do it. No. If it's wrong for my kids in my kid's school, then it's wrong for those kids across town in their school mm-hmm. and those parents. And... You know, it's what tripped me out about the whole NFL protest thing, which I was over it well before it really got going. Yeah. Uh, because I felt like if you were going to protest, you should have did it when Colin Kaepernick first took a knee. Not now that it's Not, this big story. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. it's because now you've made it. Everybody's well, it's so so many people have made it so much more than it actually was started about. It was started mm-hmm. about police brutality and injust and the injustices in the justice system, and for some reason or another, through along the line which is what media and people do, it became a race issue. Mm-hmm. It became an issue about the military. It became an issue about patriotism. And the reality of it is is that if you really look at the the NFL as a whole, I mean, it's 10 years that they've been actually doing the anthem at, at stadiums, and they were being paid $4 million-plus to do so uh, by the military. And so are we really showing patriotism or are we doing what we're paid to do? Right. Because everybody that... You know, when the national anthem comes on, there are people that are still getting beers and popcorn and peanuts. Just talking about that today, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, are you really that patriotic or are you just looking for something? If you're in the bathroom, are you running out of the bathroom so you right. can get into yeah. your seat so yeah. you can put so your you hand on your, your heart, heart or are you going to finish up in the bathroom? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I, I've, I've always, you know, looked at things in a different light just because I grew up in a different light. And I, I grew up, you know, 
meeting people from all different walks of life. And the one, like you say, the one thing that we all have in common is that when we want to be good people, yeah, we can do it. Like, did you go to Houston when the hurricane hit? No. Did you donate to any fund when when the hurricane hit to help those that are I don't need? think so. Yeah, no. All right. I'm sure somebody around in your family probably text a number to donate $5 sure. you know, to a cause, did some kind of collection. Sure. So even though people didn't live in Houston, they were sending money, water, right, I resources see what you're saying. Yes. from everywhere. You're right. And they don't know any of these folks in Houston. They didn't have family members. They didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. But because of the issue, because of the circumstances of these people, we generally overall say, you know what? I, I, and some of these people didn't have $5 to give, and they still gave they it. They still did it. You know? Yeah. And, and that's that's the thing. You know, it's like. So how do you how do you uh, raise your kids? You know, because now your kids are coming from a place of privilege that you never had as a kid. Right. And, you know, that not coming from a place of privilege has you know obviously so many things that are detractors from it, but there is this life sense that you can get from it that can be a huge benefit, and, and I'm sure feelings of entitlement that you might see from other people that you just don't have because mm-hmm. it's not how you were raised. How do you raise your kids in a way to be like, look, I'm it's my job to give you the best of everything that I can possibly give you, mm-hmm. but I need you to know this isn't just to be taken for granted. Right. Well. My kids are very involved with a lot of stuff that I do yeah. from uh, um, from a charity aspect. Well, know? I see on, I see you on Facebook. I yeah. feel like every 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 couple of days you have yeah. a new yeah. charity thing that you're doing, and yeah. every time it's like a pretty big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, they 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 understand my background and where I came from. Uh, the story's been told numerous times, mm-hmm. but. You know, and this may seem like a little biased just because I'm I'm, I'm going to isolate it to race. Yeah. Uh, in this instance, but I've always wanted to be to all people what the stereotypes of an African American male are not. I wanted to be the reverse. I didn't want to be a person that was viewed as uneducated. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be viewed as a person that was in jail. And I didn't want to, most importantly, be viewed as a person that was an absent father. Right. Uh, even though that happens in other races as well, for some reason or another, it's highlighted mm-hmm. with us. Um, and so for my kids, they understand that we have three rules in my home. Uh, the first rule is love and respect everybody you come in contact with. You may not agree with them. You may not even like them. But you love them and you respect them. Rule number two is that we don't use the word can't. Uh, and that's for two reasons. Number one, the first reason is from a biblical sense, uh, the Bible says that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So if I'm reading the Bible and I'm trying to live by the things that is, are in that word to motivate, inspire, and encourage other people, then that should be the number one thing that I present to people all the time. Like, it, it can't, should not be an option. And then on, on the flip side of that, from a worldly sense, I was told my entire life what I would never be able to do, what I can't do. And I've done that 10,000 times better than I ever thought I would have ever done it. Mm-hmm. And then number three is always be your best. Your best may be a C on the test one day. It may be a D on the test. maybe may be an F. But if I know and you know that you gave your best effort, then nobody can ever be disappointed. And so uh, my kids have the freedom to be who they are as individuals, right, as long as they're being the best person they want they, that they can possibly be. I think the examples that I've set, with how I care for those in need and the elderly and um, those that are disabled, 
um, homeless. I mean, they've seen so many cases of right. how to treat people that now they're those people. You know, I get phone calls and text messages all the time. Like, hey, I met your son today on the elevator, and he was one of the most polite people I ever met in my life. Every WWE superstar, man or woman, that you speak to or you ever speak to say, oh, he's got the greatest kids in the world. That's the biggest compliment to me as a father that I could ever have. Mm -hmm. And they know that. So their biggest, you know, fear is not ever getting a whooping. I don't have to beat my kids or whoop my kids. Uh, Their biggest, and which is mine also to them, is I don't want to disappoint them and they don't want to disappoint me. Right. And that's because of the respect level and the love that we have for one another. It's okay for a man to say I love you. It's okay for a man to hug another man. Uh, It's okay for a man to cry. And they've seen that from the man that they view as their their hero. And I've always wanted to be my kid's hero because I never grew up with a hero. Right. Um, Well, not as a father. Right, right. Um, Yeah, I know what you're saying. So uh, if I can duplicate good things over a period of time, then hopefully my kids can do that too, and they, they are. So how did you how did you get into WWE? Because you said you never foresaw this for yourself. You didn't see it going this way. You had familiarity with the product. You watched it in college and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so you were a fan on that level. Mm-hmm. But how do you end up being a superstar yourself? Uh, well, as it's no secret that Dave Batista is like a brother to me. Right. Uh, one of my truly one of my closest friends. Has he? Have you seen? Who is he now that he's become? You know, this big movie star. He's still the same dude. Same dude. Same dude. Isn't that the best? That's why we've remained close. I mean, I long before WWE, mm-hmm. and we'll always be close. So He's an uncle to my kid. My, like, my kids call him Uncle Dave. So before WWE, he's the same guy as when he goes to WWE and skyrockets to fame and yeah. becomes a champion and all this stuff. Yep. Is the same guy when he goes out of WWE and becomes an even bigger star through the Marvel Universe and acting. Yep. That's the same Dave that same Dave that you knew from the beginning. That's an amazing thing. Yep, I pick up my phone anytime, and he'll pick up his phone anytime. Text me out of nowhere, hey, you know, how are you? And I do the same. And happy birthday, you know. I t- text him the other week, and I was just with him the week before eating lunch. And uh, one day, uh, I was driving in South Tampa to get to the story of how, how I got into sure, sure. the business. Um, I was driving to South Tampa to go pick up a pair of dress shoes. It's Brighton Plaza, which is um, off of Dale Mabry in Tampa. It's right, literally like right down the street from FCW uh, at the time, which was developmental, which is now NXT. And uh, I just so happened to drive past the building um, on my way back home. And uh, Dave had told me, you know, where it was and things like that and what color it was if I ever wanted a chance to go down there who to speak to and stuff like that if I ever wanted to take a look at it. So I was down there getting a pair of dress shoes and picked up the telephone and said, Dave, is this the place you were talking about me going to or where you guys train and get treatment and stuff at me? He was like, yeah. And I said, well, I'm going to poke my head in the back door and, you know, see what it's about. And two weeks after I poked my head in the back door, I was in the ring bumping around uh, learning how to become a WWE superstar. And that that happened in the end of 2009. And then you end up on the NXT TV show, yeah. which was that weird like Three hybrid. Months in. Three months. Three in. months in. Three months in. So that had, had to be crazy because. And I was at home in Tampa. Wow. Yeah. 
So, so it had to be nuts because you can go back now, and I've watched some of it. You can go back on the network. Mm-hmm. It kind of shocked me that they put the that those seasons yeah. of NXT on the network, yeah. but they did. They're all up there. Yeah. And like anybody you talk to about that era of that mm-hmm. show, just talks about what complete chaos yeah. it was. Yeah. Nobody, especially the young guys yeah. like you, had any clue what was going on. Mm-hmm. You'd get in the ring, you'd have no idea what the plan yeah. was. Yeah. Like, as a guy who is three months in the business. Yeah. I mean, what kind of head trip is that? Are you yeah. going like, is this, is this what we this is? We will get right back to Titus momentarily, but did you know the best thing that you can do for this show is to help support our sponsors? The people that support us are the people that I tell you about. And, you know, for a long time in my life, I'd show up at these wrestling shows and people would come to me and they'd go, Sam, how do you get these tickets? What can I do to get Sam Roberts seats? You go, you watch Monday Night Raw, you watch SmackDown, you watch pay-per-views, and you go, how is it that these people get these amazing seats every time? The guy with the long hair, the guy with the airbrush jacket, all these people that you see on TV, how do they get these amazing seats? Well, I can make a bold prediction, and I'll tell you, it's through SeatGeek. You see, the SeatGeek app, it works so easily. It's on your phone, and it's the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets to any event, be it WWE, any wrestling, any comedy, any concerts, any Broadway, whatever you want to do. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. Uh, you know, I, I would have used SeatGeek over the weekend. If I wanted to go to uh, uh, NXT TakeOver, if I wanted to go to the Royal Rumble, SummerSlam tickets just went on sale, and I heard it from a guy on Twitter who listens to this show, and he told me the reason he was able to go to SummerSlam is because he used SeatGeek. You see, it's designed to make your ticket-buying experience easy and proper. SeatGeek grades every ticket based on a value to help you get the most bang for your buck. If you want the best value ticket, you go to SeatGeek. If you just want the best seat in the house, you go to SeatGeek. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, and each purchase is fully guaranteed, so you're going to be able to shop with confidence. You're not going to be one of those jamokes that shows up to the door of an arena, and they're going like, boop, boop. Sorry, that's not a real ticket. It's not going to happen with SeatGeek. Best of all, you can actually save money because my listeners, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast listeners, are going to get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. You guys, just for listening to this show, get $20 off your first purchase. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code SAM today. Go on your app store, download the SeatGeek app, Enter promo code SAM, S-A-M. You're going to get $20 off whatever ticket you want to buy, and then you're going to be able to run into me at any of these WWE shows. That's promo code SAM, S-A-M, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And I will see you there. Now, back to Titus O'Neil and his entire career inside the WWE. Yeah, and I've, I mean, I had spoken numerous on numerous occasions in the public right and then that first promo and it's like if you're gonna win make it a win <laughs> you know like that was, that was my yeah, tagline because for a while. you just get thrown like yeah all right do a promo and you're yeah. like what i didn't yeah. know we had to but we're on yeah. live tv yeah exactly <laughs> if you're gonna win and then i dropped a keg <laughs> right uh and you're this giant man yeah. like you can hold a keg yeah it's just i'm doing it in wrestling boots right and it's like, and you've only been three months in wrestling boots, right. by the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and even in that case, like not even a full three months in wrestling boots, because you 
Right. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, Were you going to go to the like first day of, 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 of camp, show up with boots already? Yeah, like, yeah. who do you think you are? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, like, that's like coming to football. You, you never played football a day in your life. Uh-huh. And then they're like, all right, we're going to put you in the game. You're like, you don't want to do what? <laughs> yeah. And we're going to start you at quarterback, too. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it was. I, I, but I'm thankful for that moment. So, what do you, so when you have moments like that, I guess dropping the keg is a little forgivable, but – if you're gonna win, if you're gonna win, make it a win. Yeah, like I made it a win. Like, there are a lot of people that 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 were in the company at that time uh-huh. that didn't want to help me. Okay, that were I mean rude as hell to me. Yeah, uh, and I is guess, that just because you were new? Because yeah, you were big? Yeah, because, exactly. Yeah, I, yeah. I was a threat. Sure. Um, and uh, they're nowhere near even the business of wrestling now. Really? Yeah. Uh, some of them still are, you know, doing doing their thing, and I wish all of them well. Mm-hmm. I'm not one to like. I mean. I get it. It's a an environment that I've never been in, uh, but uh, it's one of those things where, like, people say, "Well, do you feel like you like you made a mistake sometimes?" And I'm like, "No, I didn't," uh, because and or they ask me the, the common question is, "Well, what's next?" And I say, "Well, I could have my plan, and God could have something completely opposite of me because I had zero plans of being in WWE." Right. I I mean, literally, so, legit told Dave, no, nah, I'm good. So when something like this happens, right, once you once you realize this is my life now, I'm a WWE superstar, is that kind of the moment where you're like, I need to stop making plans like like I know what's going to happen? Because- well, no, yeah, you don't – it's not that you stop making plans. I'm prepared. If I, if I walked into work today, yeah, right, Yeah. and they say, well, we're going to have to let you go. I, I I'm not worried at all. Right. Everybody in that locker room is not in that position. But right. If I walked away and I'm I'm gonna go somewhere and make really good money. Right. I'm not even my house is paid off. Mm-hmm. I'm I, I don't have like I don't have to do this for money. Mm-hmm. It never has been the, my motivation. So for me, I can feel comfortable day in and day out. Oh, you want me to put on a wig and a fake mustache <laughs> or whatever? And make a fool of myself. It's entertainment, right? You know what I'm saying, right? There's certain things that I won't do, even in the realm of entertainment, because mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not gonna, I'm just not gonna do it. Um, but you don't take yourself that seriously. But no, yeah. no. I mean, it's entertainment. At the end of the day, that's what you're getting paid to do, and have fun doing it. Like if it's fun to you, if it's fun to the people around you, then when people watch it on TV, they're gonna be like, "Man, I enjoyed that." Right. You know, and that's that's really what the end game is like. Yeah, you just want to resonate with people. Yeah. However, yeah. however it takes. You could be the best singer in the world or the best musician in the world. If people are not following along with you, you know, calling and repeating with you and your songs, you're not going to be a musician or an entertainer for long. So then after that, you go and uh, you do the primetime players with yep. Darren Young. And that was, to me, and I felt it at the time, I probably talked to you about it before because I, uh, I think I interviewed you a couple times in that era. But, like, I feel like that tag team did more than anybody expected you guys to. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it was because you guys just decided to commit to it more than other people would. You were making your own shirts. Yeah. You were adding little gimmicks like the Afro yeah. pick. Yeah. You were doing the dancing and stuff. And it all felt, and again, I'm just a spectator. Mm-hmm. But as a spectator who's been a spectator for as long as I have, watching that, it felt like most of that was stuff that you guys just made up and did. It is. Right. 100%. That's, that's the vibe that when I got the, from. When the, when, and 
you know, I used to say this thing is uh, we didn't land on the WWE app. Uh, we didn't we, the, the WWE app didn't land on us. We landed on the WWE app. Yeah. Because when it first came out, every single week we were making sure that we did something on the app, did something on the app. That was and when it, they would run like during the commercial breaks. Yeah, they would yeah. try to get you to turn on the yeah. iPhone app. Yep. And like and a lot of people didn't want to do it because it's it. extra. It was extra work. Yeah. Yeah. And we. Uh, we embraced it. Right. It's, it's no different than anything else. It's like, okay, and that's even that's so, and so a lot of times, uh, because of the WWE app, we ended up getting stuff on to Monday Night Raw or SmackDown. So what you do something funny on the app, and then they show yeah. it to to Vince and whoever yeah. else is making the decisions, and they yeah. go, yeah, we should do this on TV. Yeah, or it gets traction on social media sure. some kind of way, and as we all know, the world of social media can make or break some people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's just again, it's embracing whatever is given to you and 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 taking advantage of it. So when the when the primetime players break up, is that a nerve wracking thing in the sense that the ah, first time or the second time? The first time, because <laughs> the second time you were probably ready because you did it once already. Yeah, but uh, the first time. Yeah, the first time was very unceremoniously yeah. done, and and neither one of us were very happy about it at all. Right. Uh, because we felt like we had so much more to offer, and if we just got they got given those opportunities, like we could have filled that void that was left when Team Hell No, you know, was uh, was was split up, you know. In the sense that you're a tag team that can work matches, but be the entertainment. Thing. Correct, correct. Right. Like so, um, that's a piece that that I. You know, that's probably a piece of my career that I will look back and if anybody said, well, what, what's something that you wish was a little different? I would say, had we won the titles during the first time we were together, I think it would have been more meaningful when we did break up. Right. Um, but we won the titles the second time, so I can say I'm in the history books as a champion in the WWE, as yeah. a WWE Tag Team Champion. And uh, I got a chance to do it with one of the legit good guys uh in this business um that was a is a real friend to me yeah and uh um unfortunately he's not with us today but i still talk to him and kids still talk to him so uh it's definitely one of those man we could have did so much more but man i'm so thankful for what we did do yeah 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 and i i, I actually do feel like there was potential to do more but you have also always been pretty good about, even when people are like, oh, that's Titus, he's not really doing anything. Mm-hmm. Within a certain amount of time, you just pull something out mm-hmm. where people are like, what's he doing over yeah. there? And it, and it yeah. draws attention again. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened, it was a while ago at this point, but you with your you got the 30-day suspension, 60-day suspension. Yeah. And, from, and again, this was way before mm-hmm. you know I had any sort of information, but... All the all the, all the internet said was they showed the clip of you kind of holding Vince McMahon's arm at the end of that episode of Raw, yeah. and the next thing we know, well, Titus is gone for sixty days because yeah. he, he manhandled or whatever it was. Yeah, what, it wasn't manhandling, right? But it was. Uh, I guess I touched the boss in an inappropriate way at an inappropriate time. Because it was uh, live television. And, yeah, I don't know what the specific reason is, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, I I, I literally legit said. Um, ladies first because I was trying to let Stephanie go and uh I didn't think it was a big deal but it ended up being a big deal but it's you know people ask me all the time well do you feel and I'm, I'm going to go on record saying this uh, mm-hmm. just to uh 
clear the air about a lot of questions that were asked at that yeah. time. The number one question was, you know, or number one saying that was said at the time was that Vince is racist, which is so far from the truth. Uh, if Vince McMahon was racist, I would not be a part of this company. Point blank, period. I don't need to check that bad. Right. Uh, quite honestly, me and Vince have a very, very good relationship. Um, even today, you know, um, we both share very similar idols uh, in Muhammad Ali and Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King. Uh, and he loves entertainment and quirky stuff, and I love entertainment and quirky stuff. And he's provided a living for not only myself, but for many people uh, long before me from all walks of life, uh, both inside and outside of the business of professional uh, sports and entertainment. Uh, that's from backstage people to production people to people that are sitting home in their living rooms. He's provided a platform for them to escape their realities and entertainment. He's filled arenas all over the world, legitimately all around, all over the world, with people from all walks of life to come in and watch this wonderful product that we call the WWE, right? So uh, that's the first thing, that you know, Vince is not a racist. Right. You know, um, uh, secondly, uh, do I, the, the other question is, you know, did, did I feel like, it could have been handled in a different manner. Well, I probably could have did something different myself. Maybe I should have just stood back and just let everything go as it goes. Wh who knows, you know? Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, that happened, what, two years ago? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm still here today. Not only are you still here, but you're in a, a, a great spot. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Right. You're probably in a better spot now than you were two years ago today. Exactly, exactly. So, so yeah, so when people... Do I feel like there have been, I think the wrestling business has had its issues with race and mm -hmm. the portrayal of race and stereotypes. And it's not just with African-Americans or Hispanics, but overall, period. Uh, that's just, but that's entertainment in general, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, if you go through, the, you history go through the history of, of film, entertainment, yeah. film, period. Yeah. Uh, there are people fighting right now for equality. Absolutely, in Hollywood. That's in Hollywood. All anybody's talking yeah, about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, equality for women, yep. equality for minorities, equal pay, whatever, this and that. So it's, 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 it's only an issue when people want to make it an issue. Mm -hmm. I never looked at it as making it an issue about whether or not I was black, white, purple, or whatever. I, I did this, and this is what happened. So when I go home and I talk to my kids, and they say, well, that was messed up, I say, you know what? Hey, this is life. You, you take know? the L. Yeah. You and take you move, the L. And, and you, you go forward. forward. Yeah. yeah. And you can and there's a certain way that you move forward. Uh and do you come back after that and apologize and yeah. say like I want to make sure we're on a good Yeah, yeah, good spot. I, yeah, yeah. I mean that's I, I, we both had a conversation when we sat and we came back and mm -hmm. I mean uh I remember after finishing up the conversation, you know, I was like uh, uh let's get ready to go to work and I, I, mean, I it's always customary for me to shake his hand and hug him. And uh, I got ready to pull him in to hug him, and I said, I can go get suspended if I, if I hug you. <laughs> and he just, oh, no, no, let's get ready to go to work, you know. So it was just, uh, I, I mean, I, I some people call him crazy. I think he's crazy at some point. He's a, he's a genius in a lot of ways, but uh, I genuinely, like, love Vince McMahon. Yeah. Like, they're, you know, he's, he's a good man. So the Titus brand. Titus Worldwide. Titus Worldwide. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Worldwide yeah. has brought you to this whole new place. And I really, like, I kind of enjoyed it from the beginning because I feel like there are only a few things in wrestling, especially now that are, like, relevant mm -hmm. and resonate in a way that this is what 
the culture, whatever pop yeah. culture, whatever the culture means. This is what mm. people in culture are doing. Like this is what yeah. every athlete is doing, mm. and it's like this sort of cheesy, like creating a brand that yeah. doesn't actually mean mm -hmm. anything yeah. like yeah. what is it well it's yeah. the titus brand yeah. of course. it's titus worldwide yeah. it's the global entertainment brand of titus o'neill yeah. like yeah. What, well yeah but what it, yeah, yeah 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 you should join oh okay i'll yeah. join like i just thought from that level it was kind of genius because it hadn't been done before right you know it's like taking the role of manager mm -hmm. or you know stable that yeah. a manager has and completely putting you know a 2017 2018 twist on it yeah um did people get it at first, was it pitched to you or did you pitch it? No. So I, I actually wanted to do this like two years ago. Okay. Because um, I've all, I mean, I, I like sports, like every aspect of sports. So mm -hmm. like press conferences, I've always wanted to have my own press conference, <laughs> you know. And so that's kind of where Titus Worldwide started with yeah. the branding and all that was like, I'd have these press conferences where only one person of the media would show up. <laughs> And, uh, and it would just be I, like one of the backstage yeah, reporters. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. And they half-ass be paying attention. Uh, and then I ask them a question. And uh, if I didn't like the response to the question, I'd act, respond no differently any coach or entertainer or athlete would in that time and turn, completely turn it around on them. <laughs> um, and it's just always fun to me. Like Terrell Owens did it all the time. Yeah. And me and him having the same initials. You know, I just had so many different things that I had in my mind. So uh, when they told me that they were going to put Tazawa with me and Apollo, it's like um, it was awesome because, like, now, you know, Tazawa's from a whole nother culture. And, right. You know, I, I extreme amount of respect for the athleticism and everything that, that uh, comes with Apollo Crews. Uh, just knowing how he was introduced to the WWE universe yeah. and things like that. And knowing how he is backstage i'm like dude you need to be this dude on camera because that's what people are going to remember right and then now adding dana brooke just brings a whole nother <laughs> element to it and a lot more fun i do love that uh, uh, apollo went from looking at you like what are you doing this mm -hmm. is stupid to now like fully committed to Titus yeah, worldwide yeah, yeah yeah it's like a transition right <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah hopefully nia Jax will be in the same situation because like right now she's apollo's partner for the mixed match challenge right so you're she obviously want, trying to scout yeah, yeah yeah she she doesn't really want anything to do with Titus worldwide but i mean you can't get one and not get all of us no you know? so, i mean i i'm just pre you got to do like uh when when they're when their night of the mixed match mixed match challenge comes up you have to be like throwing shirts on her, yeah. Like Titus yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. shirts on her back yeah, while yeah, she's walking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, 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 if they win, yeah. throw the hat on her yeah. head. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how uh, that's how it was gonna be with Apollo when we first started. You Just know? started, yeah. Put yeah, the, started putting, putting all kind of Titus on, Worldwide. Like, gear on him and everything like and after like a ufc fight when yeah the, when the exactly. sponsors just come in like yeah. oh, you gotta wear the hat you yeah wear the hat. yeah exactly <laughs> like don't even know what they're wearing yeah well look man uh i think it's amazing what you're doing and like i said i mean i see you on facebook and i'm like he's mm. still this guy doesn't doesn't stop ever yeah. I, I, the the charity stuff that you do is like pretty unbelievable where can people find all the information that they need to find about that end of what you're doing uh, they can go to uh, embracinglegacy.org. Mm -hmm. uh, they can also see a lot of stuff through metromen.org, uh, which is a homeless. Uh, they help house and support and educate homeless community. United Way uh, Suncoast. Um, 
all of them are partners with me along with Hillsborough County School Board, the Sheriff's Office. Uh, most of the stuff you can just see throughout my social media at Titus O'Neill WWE. I share it on Instagram and and uh, Twitter and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Is my personal, uh, which you you have it because you're a personal friend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think uh, I, I I like to think I do a pretty good job of letting people know what's going on and what yeah. we're doing. It's really cool to see, like you know, a lot of people talk the talk, right? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people like to talk about how charitable they are, how much yeah. they care, how yeah. much other people. You need to start doing this. People need to start yeah. doing that, but. You I call them out just, though. You do. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> I call them out because my my thing my thing is uh, you know, I don't need a camera to do what I'm gonna do. Right. You know what I mean? Like, well, that's the amazing thing. I mean, yeah. most, this isn't like WWE yeah, stuff. No, this isn't. No, no I don't just, need it. Yeah, yeah. I don't need it. This, people invested in me when they had nothing to gain in return, and people yeah. ask me all the time, "How is it that you make so much time to do so much stuff for other people?" And I turn around and say, "How can I not?" Yeah. How can I not make that time when people made it for me? And so when people are saying, oh, we really want to make a difference, you know, we're going to go protest. Well, that ain't really making a difference. Mm-hmm. Protest ain't never helped nobody. Why don't you actually figure out what the problem is and let's exactly. help solve it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And why don't you bring some people together that are going to, like, have the same, you know, they might not have the same approach, mm-hmm. but they have the same end goal. If your end goal is to put more money into the public school system, and doesn't matter what color you are, where you come from, what, what what your job title is. Let's go try to get more money put into this. Because everything, you know, politicians are going to be who they are. Right. right. You know, right. and I'm friends with politicians. Uh-huh. And me and I have a very good relationship with our sheriff. I have a very good relationship with our police chief. Me and the mayor, Buckhorn, Bob Buckhorn, they call me the second mayor of Tampa. Because <laughs> uh, I am uh, have a very good relationship with him as well. And... I value those relationships. The superintendent, Jeff Eakins, uh, I always value relationships with people uh, that have an opportunity to help change people's lives, whether that be in entertainment, politics, sports, or just your day-to-day person that says, you know, hey, I don't have 100,000 followers and I don't have $100 million, but I have some time and I want to help you do the things that you're doing because I think they're pretty phenomenal. Well, Titus, you're making it a win, just like we always knew, like you always said you would. Uh, Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for having me. Of course. Absolutely. Here is Sam Roberts. Titus O'Neill. What an interesting guy, huh? I don't think that a lot of people get that perspective on him, so I'm really glad that he had time to do the podcast and time to uh, hang out as long as he did. Answered a lot of questions that I had uh, about his career, but also just got into him as a guy, and I hope that you guys shared that interview and... uh, and uh, and post it everywhere and uh, let all your friends know because I just think that that's a side of Titus that we don't see often enough. Um, I will have video of that interview up on the YouTube channel. If you go to youtube.com slash right now, you will be able to see, I, I've been posting ex- excerpts, is that the word? From uh, the State of Wrestling, little videos uh, from the State of Wrestling, like last week's uh, fantasy booking of the Royal Rumble, the 205 Live stuff. Of course, it all ends up being completely wrong, but... Still, the videos go up there, but I I try to make sure that they get posted before I have a chance to be proven completely wrong, and um, interviews go up there. If they're done in person, I post them on the YouTube channel, so if you go to youtube.com slash notsamnow, you can see the entire interview that I conducted from last week's show with Eric Bischoff, Bruce Pritchard, and JBL, and you know, something did go down behind the scenes 
in while I had Titus O'Neil in studio. And this is something that I think we really need to spread around. Uh, this was big for me. This actually happened here. I, I, I guess there is video of this, but I guess I'll just play the audio for you. Uh, take a listen to this. Uh, here we go. I'm here with my good friend here, Sam Roberts, who's not only a good friend, but also a phenomenal person in the world of sports and entertainment. Does a lot of work with us in WWE, does pre-show stuff. Yep. And uh, great mind for the wrestling community, as well as the sports in general. As you can see, we're here at Sirius XM. We just finished up his his uh, show and a podcast coming out soon. Uh, but, you know, I'm trying to expand, you know, in every single way. So, Sam, I'd be more than happy if you were be to become an official member of Titus Worldwide. But we need to do it on camera. You think, you think... I think you... you could I, I represent the brand? I you mean, can represent the brand on all the pre-shows. You can do you can do it on radio. You can do it anytime throughout the time that you're, that you're here. I mean, it's, it's really I'm simple. officially... Yeah. Uh, Sam Roberts. Yeah, I'll do it. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Yeah. Is the newest member of Titus Worldwide! Did you hear that? You talk about a dream come true. I'm in Titus Worldwide. Who, what other wrestling podcaster, what other wrestling fan is a member of Titus Worldwide? This is a global brand that is very, very exclusive. The amount of people who, who, who have been given uh, permission, the blessing from Titus O'Neil to represent the brand, to be a part of the brand, to be an ambassador, I am officially, you heard it from the man himself, from Titus O'Neil, I am officially a member of of Titus Worldwide, uh, pretty sure the first of my kind, um, and I want to thank all of you for making the whole thing possible. You know, I mean, that doesn't just happen, right? That it doesn't it doesn't just occur. It's all of us working together here at Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. You think 170 weeks ago when I started, or 171 weeks ago, whatever number of podcast this is, when I started doing this thing. I thought that I was going to be made a member of, of Titus Worldwide. It's a dream come true. So thank you to Titus O'Neill. It's uh, now Titus, Apollo Crews, Dana Brooke. I think Michael Che is in it from SNL. Sam Roberts. Titus Worldwide, baby. Worldwide! Here we are. Here we are. And you get to all be a part of it and be a part uh, of this magical ride that I'm on. It's just incredible. Being a part of Titus Worldwide, it just, it really changes your life perspective on everything. All right, enough about life perspective, enough uh, about about the brands that I am now associated with, the conglomeration of Not Sam and Titus Worldwide coming together. It's amazing news, but we've got even more news to cover, and we're going to cover it this week, right now, in the state of wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. State of Wrestling time. It's that time again where we go over the state of wrestling. And by that, of course, I mean uh, I pick the top five stories in the world of pro wrestling this week. And we just kind of break them down. That's what we do here in the State of Wrestling. Uh, by the way, if you just tune into the State of Wrestling, rewind a little on this podcast. Make sure you're listening to the Bridge segment this week because... Big announcement from Titus O'Neil that probably should be in the top five stories, but is not because it's about me and 
this podcast shouldn't just be about me all the time. It should be about all of you and what we're all experiencing together in this grand world of sports entertainment. So, we are going to start this week with number five, which is uh, simply a, a, a weekend recap. That's cheating. I mean, really, number five is like numbers 10, 1 through 10, but a weekend recap. So I was in Philly, obviously. I was there for uh, the kickoff, the pre-show for NXT TakeOver Philly and the kickoff show for the Royal Rumble, and I mean, what a weekend. My God, what a weekend. By the way, I recorded next week's podcast while I was up there, and you guys are going to be very happy with that one, I can promise you. Um, but so much fun being there as it always is and, and pulling everything off. I've, I've, I've really started to, to love doing those live shots from the crowd before the pay-per-views just because I don't know, because they trust me now. So I'm never scripted in what I'm going to say. You know, I've got a minute of TV time. I can't hear myself talk. I'm in front of everybody shouting behind me and I have to try to put together some thoughts into sentences that actually make it look like I'm not a complete ignoramus on television. It becomes a, a challenge in, in the best possible way. So I have a lot of fun doing that. And also it's one of those things where like, you know, when you think about dreaming of working for the WWE and doing all that stuff, the one vision, at least for me, that kept coming into my mind was holding the WWE microphone. Because I learned very early on I wasn't going to be a wrestler. But there was a, a visualization in my head of just holding a WWE microphone. So it's it's in those moments when I actually get to do it and talk directly to you guys through the camera and just, I mean, I just have a really fun time doing those. Not to say I don't have a fun time on the panel. Although, I didn't realize uh, until I got the tweets, uh, I definitely realized the tension between myself and Zelina Vega was fairly obvious because... I was pushing her on a lot of stuff, and that's, I'm the last professional broadcaster. I'm going to push people. I did not realize that the tension between Samoa Joe and myself was so palpable until I was getting a lot of tweets, but, um, I mean, I had fun sitting with Samoa Joe. I'm glad he didn't hurt me physically. If he wasn't injured, he might have. I don't know, but I'm glad that he didn't, uh, and I had, uh, I had a blast with him, and I think everybody that I read uh, was super, super positive on Samoa Joe's contributions to that kickoff show, and I was too. It was just really, really cool to to do that stuff, uh, as it always is. But let's talk about these two shows. So I guess the first thing that everybody brings up is which show is better, TakeOver or the main roster pay-per-view? And that happens every time there's one of these uh, big four pay-per-view weekends. And, you know, it's, 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 it's tough to judge. If I'm going to sit down and be like, which show had better matches? Obviously, it's TakeOver. You know, you're talking about... First of all, there's never been a bad TakeOver. There has not been one bad TakeOver show. But th this month specifically was amazing leading into the Royal Rumble. And and you kind of always tune into these takeoff shows... Uh, 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 I'm sorry, TakeOver shows. Somewhere in the back of your head wondering, is this the one that NXT is going to lose its steam on? And, and sometimes you look at it on paper and you go, yeah, I think this is the one. And it never is, and it certainly wasn't. If anything, I think TakeOver uh, Philly was a moment to declare that NXT is back and stronger than ever. I think that this, this is a whole resurgence. Because, I mean, look at what you have. Look who's on the show. Look who's not on the show but on the roster. And look who's about to be on the roster. Okay, you're talking about... Uh, uh, a card that was so full 
Sanity, while they were on the show, didn't even have a match. They just made an appearance. But you've got Sanity. You've got Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish, the Undisputed Era. You've got the Authors of Pain. You know, you've got your world title scene. You're, you're reminded of these stories that have come and gone. You've got the women's division. The women's division. I mean, we're looking at Shayna Baszler versus uh, 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 Ember Moon, but we're not even talking about Peyton Royce, and we're not even talking about Billy Kay and, and, and Kaidi Sane, who's there, and all these people. The roster is getting deeper as more people come in. And then you go into the crowd, and you see Candice LeRae make an appearance at Johnny Gargano's side. You see uh, War Machine make an appearance. You see Ricochet make an appearance. And then, surprising, I mean, really surprising everybody, in a suit that was eerily similar to the suit that I wore the next night, EC3 shows up under the name EC3. I mean, how amazing is that? That's what I mean. You've got, you've got the guys that are, if you, of all you had, were the guys that were on the roster, your Velveteen Dream and Cassius Ono and Aleister Black and Undisputed Era and, and the guys that we saw and the people that we saw, then it, that would be one thing. You'd be like, oh my God, this is a hell of a roster. Then you start getting into the people that aren't on the show. Then you start getting into the people that are getting ready to debut in NXT. I mean, they're really not in any trouble uh, whatsoever. It's, I, and, it's, and it's kind of amazing to see this new wave of NXT come forward. But, I mean, I thought from top to bottom, you know, I loved what went on with the Velveteen Dream and Cassius Ono in the sense that the match was great. Cassius Ono never fails. He's a, he's a, he's a professional, for God's sake. But Velveteen Dream, I mean, to realize that he is under 25 years old, he's in his early 20s, and he's already doing the stuff that he's doing. There, he's got years upon years upon years of main event matches in him. And it's amazing. I mean, most people far older than him could not even make the Velveteen Dream gimmick work, let alone steal shows with the gimmick. And that's exactly what he's doing. The idea that, you know, he stole war games. Absolutely. Velveteen Dream and Aleister Black did. In hindsight, they they definitely did, which is a difficult thing to do on a show called War Games with a War Games match. And I pointed that out on the pre-show. But to then come forward and to take a story that was kind of thrown together, right? It was like the Cassius Ono Velveteen Dream story kind of felt like we just want to get Velveteen Dream on the show. But instead of allowing that to happen, Velveteen Dream shows up. He's got boxing shorts on. He's got his his mouth guard on a pillow held by this super Jack Diesel dude. He's got a, a, a woman by his side now. Like he turns it into this whole thing. And the fact that he's wearing that sort of velveteen dreamy sexual boxer gear in a match against Cassius Ono, who's a knockout artist, adds this whole new layer to the story of that match that instantly makes people care about it. And I just think that it's it's amazing. Because a lot of people could have let that match, storytelling-wise, the match itself is always going to be good. When you have athletes on that level, the match is going to be good. But storytelling-wise, it would be easy to not allow that match to be memorable, and that simply did not happen. So, you know, I was so happy to see that. Uh, on a, on a, you know, to, to, And it was the right way for Velveteen Dream to come back. You know, everybody was talking about his takeover, uh, the last takeover match that he had with Aleister Black. 
And that match had a story. He added this story in. So I loved that. Tag title match was great. Uh, the, the, the women's match I, I thought was an excellent match, but I loved the finish to it. I loved that finish. And it was this moment of like, and it made sense because, and again, we talked about this on the kickoff show. It was about Shayna Baszler, who's this MMA chokeout artist, who's this dangerous, dangerous woman. But let's face it, has not had much wrestling experience going up against Ember Moon, who, as we saw in the videos, has had a ton of wrestling experience, trained by Booker T, traveled the world, spent a year trying to get the NXT Women's Championship, finally got it, and she's able to use her in-ring presence, her knowledge of the ring, to win that match by taking a position that most people would think is curtains, but because she's so familiar with her surroundings, knows that if she can just swing her body upward, she can turn it into a pin and win the match. I thought that was that was really uh, artfully done. I went out into the audience and saw the Extreme Rules match between Aleister Black and Adam Cole, which was just brilliant. And then, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I mean, some of the spots in that match were just incredible. Then, I'm going, I don't see how they're going to top this thing. And Johnny Gargano and Andrade Cien Almas go ahead and have what I think is already going to be considered a favorite for match of the year. I don't see how anybody beats Andrade versus Gargano uh, this entire year. And I'm talking about NXT or WWE. You know, I'm not going to get into the debate about New Japan, but uh, inside inside uh, uh, the WWE sphere, I don't see how that's going to be anything besides match of the year. That was absolutely Pete Dunne, Tyler Bate level wrestling at this NXT show, a solid 30 minutes. And, you know, a lot of people were online saying that the wrong person won, that Andrade Cien Almas should not have won. This was Gargano's night. The crowd was behind him. You know, they've created this great story. And I wholeheartedly disagree. I think that this match cemented Andrade as a super heel and cemented, cemented, cemented Gargano as the most lovable babyface good guy wrestler on the roster. And he would not have received the good guy reaction that he received had he lost. I mean, had he not lost. Had he won the match, he would not have received that reaction. It's like this guy who fought against all odds. Everybody counted him out. No, he's not going to make it. No, he's not going to make it. He finally makes it. We finally see it. And he loses just by this much. He loses. And it's like, oh, how bad can it possibly get? And just when it couldn't get any worse, here comes Ciampa. Boom. Attacks him from behind with one of his crutches. And it's like, how can you not feel all the sympathy for the world for this guy who just gave it his all? His wife is by his side. He did not win the big one. And then his former best friend comes and attacks him again just to rub it in. Beautifully told story. Beautiful, perfect, the right people, the, the right outcome for that match happened because now we can go forward to take over New Orleans, I'm assuming is what they'll call it, I have no idea, but the takeover that they'll do for before WrestleMania and you've got, hopefully if Ciampa is healed by then, you've got a Ciampa-Gargano match and you've certainly been reminded of that story at TakeOver Philly. So, so even if Ciampa's not healed, that story can continue to be told at that show. If Drew McIntyre's back, you got Drew McIntyre trying to get his title back. And if not, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Drew McIntyre isn't back in time. This is what's beautiful. 
If Drew McIntyre isn't back in time, now looking ahead, if you want to do heel versus heel, you can easily argue an Adam Cole versus Andrade match to headline uh, the WrestleMania takeover, especially after the reaction that Adam Cole got at Royal Rumble the next night. But Drew McIntyre's not back. You can you can make the complete argument, maybe Gargano gets a rematch. Okay, I'll buy that, right? I would also equally buy, absolutely, Aleister Black is finally going to get his shot. Okay, I'm definitely on board for watching Aleister Black and Andrade for the championship. What if I told you Velveteen Dream is going to get a shot? Okay, I am definitely on board to watch Velveteen Dream and Andrade go one-on-one. Like, there are multiple matches that I'd be on board for, or any of these new guys. Who knows what's going to happen between now and then with EC3? Who knows what's going to happen with Ricochet? I was surprised to see him in the NXT audience instead of the, the 205 Live audience, you know, or, or whatever, locker room. But there's so much that can happen and so many possibilities left open. I just thought it was a brilliant, brilliant night. Now, let's talk about Royal Rumble. I was kind of flabbergasted at this idea. First of all, I think I need to eat my hat. Maybe I'll do that next week because I don't have a hat ready in front of me. But if somebody has a hat, they want to, maybe I I think I owe somebody, I think I promised to eat my hat if Nakamura did not, if Nakamura won the Rumble and he did. So that stinks for me. But I talked about that because the reason I said Nakamura probably won't win the Royal Rumble is because we all want it too much. You know, and you listen to the audience in Philadelphia, you listen to what what people have been saying for months now, the match that they want is AJ Styles versus Nakamura, and to watch it all go down, I just thought the men's Royal Rumble match was so artfully done, especially towards the end. So they did such a great job, the hurricane spot was just fun. Uh, Andrade getting the reaction that he got, Adam Cole getting the reaction that he got, Rey Mysterio coming out and that being kept a secret from everybody. I'll tell you this. Rey Mysterio is one of those secrets. I saw Adam Cole walking around throughout the day. I saw Andrade walking around throughout the day. I kind of assumed we would see them in the Rumble because a lot of the NXT guys go home after NXT. Um, So I kind of, I was like, okay, that's really cool that I'm going to see, hopefully I am going to see these guys, especially Adam Cole, who if you've been listening to this podcast, you know we've been following his career for a long time. So to see him at this spot is like, to watch him go out onto the stage, put his two fingers up, and to hear 20,000 people in the Wells Fargo Center shout Adam Cole, Bay Bay, was, I mean, mind-blowing. I just loved it, and I'm so happy for that guy. I did not see Rey Mysterio all day. He was one of the hidden, hidden, hidden guys that was stuck in a bus somewhere, like the Hardys were if you watch that WWE 24 special about WrestleMania. So I didn't see him all day, right? And I go out onto the floor, And this is where it cost me being a mega wrestling fan. I go out onto the floor to watch the entire men's Rumble match just because I wanted to soak in the atmosphere. And I was so glad that I did because it was so much fun. But I saw Rey Mysterio's son, Dominic, out on the floor. And that's when I realized that Rey Mysterio was going to be in the match. And I went, oh, no. Oh, no. See, because of the custody on a pole match, I know Dominic's face. Even though he's much older now, I remember his face from the Eddie Guerrero feud. 
when they were feuding over custody of Rey Mysterio's actual son. And I was like, that's from the custody on a pole match. Oh, I'll bet he's coming out. And he did come out. And while the surprise was ruined for me, it wasn't ruined for the people in the building. And the moment wasn't ruined for me. It was just magic. And to see Ray come out in tights, like looking like the old WCW Ray, it was super cool. So I thought that the end of that match was amazing. To start with, like, because I guess I don't know how it came across on TV, but when I was watching live, I didn't really put two and two together until the moment happened. When the ring starts to separate, we're at the final six. John Cena, Rey Mysterio, and Randy Orton look at, look at each other while Roman Reigns, Finn Balor, and Nakamura look at each other, and you realize it's the ruthless aggression era versus today's era. And you're like, oh my God, I didn't even see that how this was shaping up. And it gives you this moment to be like, look at the rub that Finn Balor and Shinsuke Nakamura are getting. So good for them, right? So an acknowledgement that if there's going to be three guys that represent this current era, new guys, it's Finn Balor, Nakamura, and Roman Reigns. Good for Finn Balor and Nakamura, huh? So it's three on three, and I thought that was amazing. Then a couple guys get eliminated, and the ring splits up again. And then you've got John Cena and Roman Reigns on one side. And you've got Nakamura and Finn Balor on the other side. We're now literally seeing a scenario of the narrative of the two guys that the company has shoved down our throats, ours being the fans. Two guys that the the company has shoved down our throats versus the two guys that we've been rooting for for, since they got here. The two guys that we want to see versus the two guys that they're making us see. And that was how it went down. And I thought that that was just gorgeous, beautiful. What a story and a story that I didn't see coming, especially because John Cena started working heel. Watch that match again. You want to see John, if you've been uh, uh, foaming at the mouth, waiting to see John Cena turn heel, you watch that Royal Rumble match again, especially the end of it, and you'll get a taste of it. You'll see it. That was bad guy John Cena, ladies and gentlemen. No doubt about it. There is no arguing that. The end of that match, it was bad guy John Cena. It wasn't even the John Cena that we saw on Raw wrestling Finn Balor, which we'll talk about later, that was, you know, kind of, trying to get some sympathy from the crowd. This was bad guy John Cena. This was John Cena looking at the crowd and being like, oh, you like these guys? Well, too effing bad. I'm going to throw them over the top rope and go to WrestleMania, and I don't care if you like it or not. That's bad guy John Cena. I mean, so cool. So, so cool. Um, And then that that finish with Nakamura versus Roman Reigns, where... It's the guy that we all want to win versus the guy that we're afraid is going to win. And it's just like so much drama. And then Nakamura wins and Renee goes in the ring and says, who are you wrestling? And he goes, WrestleMania AJ Styles. And like Philly just lost their minds. And I'll tell you this. When I was watching the Royal Rumble match outside in the audience, I kind of tucked away into a corner so that nobody would like notice me. When Nakamura won... I couldn't like contain myself. I literally jumped into the crowd and just started jumping up and down with people because I was so excited about this moment. Not just for Nakamura, but for us. For the idea that they gave us back the Royal Rumble. They didn't have this vision of what WrestleMania was going to look like on a billboard and start it with the Royal Rumble. It was like after five years, after Batista and Roman and uh, Triple H and all these Rumble matches where it's like, yeah, I see where the company's going. This is probably what's going to happen. They put the guy that the fans wanted to win over and then they 
promised us the match that we've been waiting for. The match that we were so we wanted so badly, we were almost afraid to ask for it because we didn't want to get disappointed. That's what we got. And that's special. And so I tweet something about how great it was and how it was one of, it was one of the best Royal Rumble matches in years, which I completely stand by. Absolutely not you know, I'd have to go back and see where it ranks on my all-time list because you know you got 92, you got 99, which I love. Uh, you know, there's a string of them in the late 90s that were really, really good. Um, you know, so I'd have to go back. I, the one in the mid-2000s where John Cena returns at the Royal Rumble, I mean, at that Madison Square Garden, that was a really, really good one. Um, the one that Edge returned, I think, was pretty good. So I'd have to figure out where I rank it. But in the last several years, this is by far the best one. By far. We got what we wanted. And I tweet something out like that, and I could not believe, and maybe I just got to pay less attention to Twitter, but I just, I wasn't even offended by it. I was just surprised that there were people on there that were still using the, like, well, of course you liked it. You get paid by the company. You're a shell. What? That, that Royal Rumble match sucked. It was so predictable. Are you kidding me? What? You didn't like that? If you're a fan and you didn't like the Royal Rumble this year, I, I, don't, I have no idea what you're expecting. If you are a fan and you did not like the Royal Rumble pay-per-view, you are not a fan, okay? I, I mean, at some point, you just have to call it. At some point, you have to announce that you are not going to be happy no matter what happens, that you hate watch wrestling. And, 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 and that's what's going on. If you were tweeting complaints about this year's Royal Rumble, you're hate watching at this point. I, don't, I mean, anybody in the Facebook chat, because we're on Facebook right now, anybody who didn't like it and wanted a different outcome, feel free to explain it to me. Would you want Rey Mysterio to win? You didn't even know he was in the match until he came out. I was I was dumbfounded that people thought it was lame and predictable. That anybody, not that, because the majority did not think that. The majority was with me thinking like, oh my God. And let me tell you something, the entire Wells Fargo Center was feeling that way too. And most of the people, you know, I don't want to overshadow, you know, all the positive people because most of the people loved it as much as I did. But I was dumbfounded that there was anybody that was like, no, I hated it. That was the worst I've ever seen. There were people who said it was the worst. And I was like, you're, you're not a wrestling fan. You're hate watching. I don't know what you could have wanted. See, I see most people are coming in going, uh, uh, I loved it, I loved it. It wasn't lame or predictable. One guy says he wanted Coco Beware to win. I get, you'd be disappointed. If you wanted Coco Beware to win. But if you wanted Coco Beware to win the Royal Rumble in 2018, there's probably a lot about life that disappoints you right now. Um... You know, one person saying, I wanted Braun to win the championship, but that's not what we're talking about. That, And you can kind of see where that's going, and it is what it is. But, you know, that's not that's not what we're talking about. Uh, I f uh, it felt like Goldust was about to have a moment. Uh, I just loved uh, how the booking teased it so much. Um, yeah, okay. So, uh, I and I think that the, there were some people saying, like, why didn't they do more with the hurricane? I think the hurricane was just about that nostalgia pop. And it worked. I, I just thought it was a very, very, very successful Royal Rumble match. And I think it's very interesting because I would imagine Brock Lesnar obviously retained the title and uh, he retained it by pinning Kane. So the two matches in between the two Rumble matches, you know, obviously the tag match ended up being a filler match because Jason Jordan didn't do much. But it, it was still, it was effective because it furthered a storyline. Uh, and the title match was not one of these classic matches. Um... But with as much was happening on that pay-per-view, it really didn't need to be. 
Uh, and I would imagine we're still going to see Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania and that Roman Reigns is going to win Elimination Chamber. I would imagine. Stranger things have happened, but I would imagine Roman Reigns uh, is going to win Elimination Chamber in a month or so uh, to get the Roman Reigns, uh, to get the Brock Lesnar match. There was that one moment where Brock Lesnar appeared to get pissed off at the Braun Strowman knee, so he started punching Braun in the face, which is always, I mean, I don't know how you can have more faith in Braun Strowman when he can take legit punches from Brock Lesnar and keep keep the match alive. It's amazing, amazing. Um, and then the women's uh, Royal Rumble match happened. The women's Royal Rumble match. I see somebody in the chat is saying, uh, hey, bro, big fun. When will you have John Cena on? I wanted, I'm going to, you know, I was thinking about that recently, and I don't know how we would go about doing it. I want to have, especially now that he's kind of a star, I want to sit down and have a, a wrestling interview with John Cena. No Hollywood stuff, no, like, what are you doing, no dating, no Bellas, no nothing. Just a wrestling, uh, I, I want to I wanna sit down and have an extended wrestling conversation with John Cena. I think now is the time for it. I'd really like to do that. That's That's definitely on my bucket list. Uh, and when I say bucket list, I mean if I'm going to die in the next two years. Like, like it's something that I want to do soon. So I don't know how I'll pull it off, but I'd really, really like to. And I think it's doable. I think it's doable. It's something I'd really like to do for you guys. So moving forward to the women's Royal Rumble match, um, I, I, I thought that too, the way it was done was, was really, really great. And I think... The, the way the women's Royal Rumble match ended and the way the men's Royal Rumble match set WrestleMania up, I feel like WWE is getting to this place where they're finally starting to listen to the fans, but also not giving up on what they want to do and finding this comfortable medium. And I, as a fan, am okay with that. If, like, it's a compromise, right? I will give you Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar if you will give me Nakamura versus AJ Styles. I will give you your Ronda Rousey moment if you will give me Asuka winning the Royal Rumble. I feel like there, there's a compromise going on here, and to me, it's effective. And I think it's going to be effective. I think it's going to make it so that a, a WrestleMania that maybe some of the more hardcore fans like us could be feeling a little bleh about if it was a Roman Reigns-Brock Lesnar WrestleMania. If you throw in matches that we want to see like AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura, then I think that you're I think that you're you're setting up for a successful show, a successful night and a successful ramp up to WrestleMania. So I think the 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 women's the result of the women's uh rumble match was effective in that way. Uh if I want to nitpick it, I would have probably had slightly less influence on the legendary women and slightly more influence on the future meaning a couple less legends, a couple more NXT women, and then really heavily concentrate on the current main roster. I thought there were too many eliminations of legends eliminating current superstars. I think that it, it, it should have been really, you know, we celebrate the legends, but we highlight the current superstars. Current superstars should not be able to be beat by legends because current superstars should be currently in their prime. Um, but that said, a lot of the legends really showed up. I thought Miss Jackie, Jacqueline, was incredible. I thought the performer of the night was Molly Holly. Who knew what she had in her? She was doing more in the Royal Rumble than we saw her do when she was uh, in WWE. If I were WWE, I'd be looking at Molly Holly to hire her back right now. I thought Molly was amazing. It was awesome to see Lita 
doing what she was doing. And she had a very scary moment with that moonsault, but she pulled it off. Um, so, you know, keep Lita, keep a, a lot of these, uh, a lot of the women, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm, that was a general statement. There's a, there's a handful that you could have been like, okay, maybe a little less of this. Beth Phoenix was amazing. Trish Stratus was over the top good. Uh, and it was great to see the Bellas back. And I hope that that's, that they are going to come back. I couldn't believe how good Trish Stratus was. I was worried that, you know, she's in yoga shape, not wrestling shape. And she, again, it felt like she had not missed a step, Trish Stratus. And to see the moment with her and Mickey James was really, really cool. Um, you know, so I, th- I I did think it was effective. It's just nitpicking stuff. I would have had a, a few more NXT women, and I would have concentrated a little more on the main roster women. I did think that the finish was uh, super cool. <coughs> I thought, so I'm in my head thinking, okay, this match is going on, <coughs> on last. There's two ways that this goes. We could just be seeing like, okay, we want to end the pay-per-view with Asuka um, pointing at the WrestleMania sign to really emphasize the women. That's a possibility. Or in my head, I was like, stranger things have happened. Again, Ronda Rousey, I did not see all day. Did not see all day. Most people there did not know she was going to be there. Um, nobody saw her. Nobody at all. She was apparently backstage 10 seconds before she went out there. But she was very, very well hidden. There wasn't a buzz about her about people, you know, talking about it and stuff. Yeah, people when, when when people found out that the women's match was going on last, people started to wonder if the Ronda Rousey being in Columbia was a work, but it really is fun when you're backstage at a WWE show and the performers are sitting there going like, "I don't know, do you think Ronda's here? I don't know, it'd be cool if she was." Like cuz you get to see the fan in people at that point. Like you get to see uh, people who work for WWE going, it'd be really cool if Ronda was here. You know, that, I, I just think that, that that's really fun. Um, so, you know, Ronda, I, I was sitting there going like, let's say Ronda comes out. In my head, I wasn't so against the idea of Ronda coming out after number 30, costing Asuka the match, and then maybe Nikki eliminating Brie last. Because I kind of was like, wouldn't it be interesting to have a WrestleMania with Nikki Bella versus Charlotte and Asuka versus Ronda Rousey? I kind of fell in love. And, and again, you know, it, it might have screwed up the finish to what sh- will be a historic match. So I'm not advocating for that finish at all. I just was trying to get to a place because all of a sudden I really wanted to see Asuka versus Ronda Rousey. And I think we still want to see it. The match originally that everybody wanted to see was Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey, but I feel like Ronda Rousey is the perfect opponent for Asuka because Asuka is this dominant female, you know, undefeated female, and I thought Asuka winning the Royal Rumble was really, really great and really perfect because there have been many undefeated people to enter the Royal Rumble, and they get eliminated, and they're still undefeated. Tatanka got eliminated from the Royal Rumble. He's still undefeated, you know? They don't count battle royals as defeats on undefeated records. But to see somebody to have the longest undefeated streak ever or whatever it is, you know, 500 plus days of being undefeated or however long, maybe more at this point, and to also win the Royal Rumble, it's like now nobody's ready for Asuka. Asuka is totally unstoppable. You know, I I, I think and, and rumors will have you believe that you will probably see Ronda Rousey in some kind of tag match at WrestleMania and Triple H and Stephanie could be involved. So if that's the case, I would rather, if Charlotte's not going to wrestle Ronda Rousey and Asuka's not going to wrestle Ronda Rousey, I would rather see Asuka and Charlotte than Asuka and Alexa Bliss. Although, who knows 
who's going to be the Raw Women's Champion going into WrestleMania. I hope it's Alexa Bliss because I really like her. I just like the idea of Asuka versus Charlotte more as a WrestleMania match. But I'm 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 so glad that Asuka won. Um, we're going to save the Ronda Rousey talk actually because that comes later on the list because that's a that's a far far bigger topic. Yeah, two and a half years undefeated is what is being pointed out to me uh, in the Facebook uh, chat right now. So there you have it. That's uh, number five. That's the weekend recap. Number four, story number four is WrestleMania 35 rumors. So, by the way, this is not on my top five list, but it probably, you know, it's definitely worth noting. Uh, Jonathan Coachman being back on Raw. It's going to be interesting. You know, I actually really like Booker T on commentary, even though he says ridiculous things sometimes. I think he's just an entertaining guy. Um so I'm, I'm, you know, it's only been one episode. I'm interested to see specifically the chemistry between, because Michael Cole can work with anybody, but I'm very interested to see what the chemistry is like between Jonathan Coachman and Corey Graves, because Corey Graves is kind of that, the cool guy who is there to make fun of Byron and to kind of laugh when Booker T says something stupid, but Jonathan Coachman likes to play the cool guy too. So I, I'm 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 interested to see how that dynamic works between the coach and Graves, um, and I wonder how Graves feels about that. But I am glad that the coach is back. I think he's a really good commentator, and I think he's uh, he's a good representative for WWE. Um, and selfishly, I'm glad that Booker T is back on the pay per view kickoff shows because Booker T is one of my absolute favorite people to work with on those shows. He's just so much fun. So that's where I'm at with that. Uh, but number four is the. Um, WrestleMania 35 rumors. So rumor has it, as of today, as of this recording, uh, a lot of people are pretty much cementing that WrestleMania 35, 2019's WrestleMania, is going to be at once again at MetLife Stadium. We're going back New York, New Jersey, uh, which would lead you to believe that we'll have uh, NXT and the Hall of Fame. Well, you could do a couple things, right? I would imagine that you can't do NXT TakeOver next year for WrestleMania weekend at the Barclays, because then you'll have NXT Brooklyn. You you can't you'd you'd have takeover at the Barclays in April and in August. So maybe they'll go back. They haven't done a televised show from Madison Square Garden in a long time. It would be really cool to see an NXT takeover. Like and it would just be called Takeover Madison Square Garden. Because they've never done NXT. They've done NXT at the theater in Madison Square Garden. But I think it would be really special to do a takeover inside of Madison Square Garden. Um, I could also see easily just see them doing it at the Meadowlands, which is right next to uh, the stadium. I think that that's probably more likely. I think there's a, a very strong likelihood that we'll get the Hall of Fame uh, and NXT TakeOver at the Meadowlands, which is there in New Jersey next to MetLife Stadium where the Giants and the Jets play. Um but I don't know. I, I My preference would be to do it at Madison Square Garden. That's what they did at WrestleMania 29. They did the Hall of Fame at Madison Square Garden, and that was before NXT was around. Like, I guess it was around, but it wasn't, like, a big deal yet. So they did the Hall of Fame at Madison Square Garden. That was the year that uh, Bob Backlund... That was the year Donald Trump went in, believe it or not. Uh, so I my preference would be to see NXT at, the, at Madison Square Garden. I just think it'd be a, a cool, symbolic... Uh, iconic thing to have an NXT show at Madison Square Garden. And it'd be really special for all the guys that will be in NXT a year from now to get to do a show there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm obviously I'm happy about it cause it's in my hometown. Uh, I, it is, 
interesting that they're uh, coming back to stadiums so quickly. You know, we're we're coming back to New Orleans four years removed from WrestleMania 30. We'll be back in MetLife Stadium six years at that point removed from WrestleMania 29. Um, you know, personally, it's April. If we're going to do an outdoor stadium, I would rather do it. If I'm going to go to WrestleMania, I'd rather it be in warm weather. I'm kind of already dreading the fact that it could be cold. But other than that, um, you know, MetLife Stadium is a beautiful stadium. The set looked amazing at WrestleMania 29. That's when John Cena and The Rock had their... Uh, yeah, that, that, that was the year before... No. Miami was once in a lifetime. I think WrestleMania 29 was twice in a lifetime, the John Cena-Rock match. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. WrestleMania, yeah, because 27, 28, 29. So the last time they were at MetLife Stadium, that's when they had their twice-in-a-lifetime match. Um, and the set looked beautiful. The technology was cool. They had a ring that had heaters in the ring posts. So it'll be a cool thing. And, uh, you know, I'm a New York guy. So uh, if that is true, I'm glad that they're coming back. Christopher Bowles points, no European major pay-per-view since 1992. Very disappointing. Matthew uh, Derlaney is saying, enjoy yourself. Uh, yeah, you know, I get that people would be annoyed by it. If I didn't live in the States, I'd be really annoyed by it. I'd be wondering that. It would be interesting. I don't know if they can. I don't know. Maybe they can. I don't know if they can do a WrestleMania in a foreign country, but I wouldn't mind seeing. Like, I think they could make Survivor Series, for instance, into a bigger deal, maybe into even a stadium show if they did it in the UK somewhere, just because the UK is so hungry for a major pay-per-view. They're doing Royal Rumble next year in a baseball stadium, so obviously they're trying to move to stadium shows. I think if you want to get Survivor Series in a stadium, since it's not, it's, it's you know probably number four in the big four, moving it to the UK would not be a bad idea in my mind. In 1992, they did you know almost 90,000 people for SummerSlam. So I think you could get a stadium full of people in the UK if you did a Survivor Series over there and, and put the matches together properly. It, it would just be the time difference, you know? You know, you have the network now. Do you do you want to air it in the middle of the afternoon in the States? That's why I don't think you can do WrestleMania outside the country because you don't want to air a WrestleMania in the middle of the afternoon. But maybe you'd be willing to sacrifice that for Survivor Series. You do a live feed. Maybe you even tape it on a Saturday. You do a live feed on the Saturday, and then Sunday night you air it back. I don't know. There's a lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, uh, choices that you can make. And yeah, Jared Byron is saying SummerSlam 92 was a mess time-wise. And it was. Uh, and that's because it was three days removed. You know, now the network has, has changed has, has changed with the technology. So uh, I don't think you'd run into the same problems. You know, the UK tournament was still a success. But again, that wasn't a major pay-per-view. So I, I think you could, where there's a will, there's a way. And that there is a lot of benefit to not repeating stadiums so often. But selfishly, I'm like, yeah. Do all the WrestleManias in New York and the SummerSlams. I don't care. I don't have to fly. I can drive. Yeah, sounds good to me. Uh, story number three, Rockstar Spud debuts on 205 Live. Of course, Drake Maverick is the new GM of 205 Live. Um, I think he's going to be great. I think Spud is is like so entertaining. I think he's a choice that nobody really saw coming, at least not that I read. Maybe I'm off base on that. But nobody saw it coming, and... Um, I think he's a super entertaining guy. It's going to give 205 Live an identity. I think 205 Live needs that kind of uh, entertainment factor in it. Uh, I, you know, I think that WrestleMania still feels like a long way off to announce you're doing a 16-man tournament and the final match is going to be at WrestleMania. It's like, all right, so we're we going to be talking about a tournament for the next two and a half months? 
That seems like a lot. But I don't know. We'll see. At least it's some kind of through line at 205 Live. Story number two. Story number two. And I see uh, Matthew Derlini says, the only issue I have with Spud is the GM is he won't wrestle. That's not true. For once, we have a GM that can actually wrestle. It used to be a thing where when a GM would come in, where there was an authority figure, there was always a chance that they could actually wrestle a match. That's gone away because so many legends that can't wrestle anymore are used as GMs. You know, I think having a GM that actually can wrestle, if pushed, uh, is a very, very valuable thing. and It makes for a more entertaining show. You want to be able to build tension with a GM that you can pay off in a ring. And you can finally do that with uh, Drake Maverick. Um, and uh, yeah, and Eric says, I want EC3 to get into it with him again. Spud's uh, his best feud. I kind of figured, you know, I figured that they wouldn't do my thing that I, I, I pitched with, uh, uh, what's her name, Dixie Carter for EC3. But I kind of thought that they'd put him with Rockstar Spud. And I'm surprised that they haven't. Maybe they will. Maybe he'll come out as a... Well, I Probably not. I think he's going to be an NXT guy. But yeah, I'm surprised that they're not doing something together. Maybe they just wanted to get away from the NXT stuff. I mean, the TNA stuff. Number two was really how good was Raw this week? How good was Raw? Two... First of all, it moved. You had Braun Strowman flipping over the entire commentator set. But two, two unbelievable matches. John Cena versus Finn Balor was a such a good match. Ups and downs, and I even liked where it went. I thought that Finn Balor came out still looking like a star, even though he lost, and I do think that John Cena needed the victory. John Cena can't just go losing every match. And I think it's interesting that he's in the Elimination Chamber because I don't think people predicted it, but I thought that match was great, and I thought it made Finn Balor look like somebody that can hang with the big boys, which is not something that uh, he was doing a month ago. So I thought that was a super positive. But really, the match of the night was Asuka versus Sasha Banks. I mean, take a side. And and I wish that people wouldn't point out the dangerous part of the match. You know, especially, it's one thing, if you're a trainer or you're an agent or you work for WWE or you're responsible for the safety of the talent, then, of course, you should point out when something's dangerous. But if you're just watching at home, it's not our job as fans to be like, that's too dangerous, you shouldn't do it anymore. It's it's their jobs to decide uh, when something's dangerous or not. So, as much as I don't want to see Sasha get hurt, and as much as I got scared when she did that suicide dive that ended with her ribs smacking down on that apron, I wasn't like, oh, this match should never happen. She should never have done that move because it looks like she could have gotten hurt. Like, it's wrestling. Um, but I loved, loved the Oscar versus Sasha Banks match. And I felt like in that match and in the Royal Rumble, Sasha Banks was letting some heel tendencies show. I don't think we're very far removed from seeing a return of the legit boss. Sasha's ratchet. No, she's not. NXT Sasha Banks. People forgot how effective as a bad guy Sasha Banks is. That's when Sasha Banks became my favorite wrestler as a bad guy. I think she's very, very good as a bad guy. And her promos are great when she's a bad guy. Um... I think we got lost in this uh, real world of Sasha Banks as a person, of Mercedes uh, and her dreams coming true, right? We, we kind of fell in love with this idea of we are all Sasha Banks. This is the woman that is living our dreams and forgot that Mercedes is living her dream. Sasha Banks is the legit boss. I want to see more Sasha Banks, and I feel like we're going to. Um, I, I mean, this match just left me, and I tweeted about it, like... 
Asuka and Sasha Banks are just my favorite wrestlers after this match. I thought I, I was just, I was in love with it. I was absolutely floored by how good it, uh, good it was. And I wasn't expecting it to be that good, especially with how Sasha Banks has been treated in the, in the previous months. Um, but yeah, she, she, she was given the opportunity to show what she can do, and she 100% delivered. Just amazing. Amazing. Um, Lucas is asking, should Ronda have appeared on Raw? Which brings me to my number one story of the week, which is everything concerning Ronda Rousey. Uh, I was okay that Ronda did not appear on Raw. Uh, she made it clear, though, in interviews, that she was not just coming in for WrestleMania. This is not a Mike Tyson type thing. She said that she was coming in to be a full-time wrestler and that, and that this is where her priority was going to be. So it'll be interesting to see what type of schedule she works. Is it going to be like a female version of Brock Lesnar or is it going to be a real thing? Now, I'm sure that she's got to do a lot of training before she gets to WrestleMania, and I don't think she should wrestle. I don't think there should be much physicality at all from her until WrestleMania because that's what's going to make that match, whatever she does at WrestleMania, such an attraction is that we get to see Ronda Rousey in a WWE ring. Once we see what she can do, that's when we can start, you know, getting to know the wrestler Ronda Rousey and not the MMA attraction who's in a WWE ring Ronda Rousey. Um, I thought that the introduction of Ronda was done well. Um, you know, she couldn't wipe the smile off her face. And it is difficult sometimes when you're so happy to be there to kind of not just be smiling the whole time. I think if you watch the, you know, kickoff shows, you see me smiling probably more than uh, a normal person would just because, you know, you get happy to be there. It's your dream. But that said, I do hope that uh, we start seeing more of a badass Ronda Rousey that smiles a little bit less. Um, I'll tell you, though, on the subject of the Ronda Rousey criticism that's coming up, which is, Nia Jax tweeted about her, Nikki Bella tweeted about her, Sasha Banks talked about her, you know, saying negative things about how, you know, implying and sometimes outright stating that Ronda Rousey was taking attention away from a historic moment, which was the first ever women's 30-person Royal Rumble match. Um, I think that it's, you know, a storyline. I, I, I think that everybody is aware of what Nia Jax and Nikki Bella and Sasha Banks are doing. I don't think Nikki Bella is going rogue. You know, I think that, that Nikki Bella loves the WWE. You know, I don't I don't think she's gonna go rogue. I don't I don't I don't think any of them are really going rogue here. I think that, that that this is a thing. I think that there is some story that is slowly it's a slow uh burn, but I think there is a story that is slowly being told that the women's division has a, a gripe with Ronda Rousey. And I think that that's a great story. You know, I mean, let's be honest. The whole John Cena-Rock rivalry hinged on statements that John Cena had made years before about how he resented The Rock showing up and he resented that The Rock disappeared. And CM Punk made clear that he didn't like part-timers, you know, coming in. And, and, and that stuff has been done on the men's side of things. So I do think that they are, are, are building, the WWE is, is purposefully and slowly building a resentment to be seen by us, the fans, from the women's roster uh, onto Ronda Rousey. I just wonder, I think that Ronda Rousey is so, so beloved right now and people are so happy to see her in WWE. I feel like you may end up in a position where Ronda Rousey is a good guy and the entire women's division is a bad guy. But I think more than likely, 
you know, this is something that is really going to take shape after WrestleMania. That's going to be the, the, the grudge that Ronda Rousey has. And I think you're going to see some of the women side with Ronda and some of the women go against Ronda and resent Ronda. And, and those are going to be the battles that you have. Those are going to be the two uh, sides to, to draw from. Alan on Twitter says, I fell, I fell for that about the tweets. Um, you know, all, all, all kinds of stuff. Look, it could be, uh, you didn't fall. It's, it's not, you should fall for it. It's wrestling. Like, it's fun. Like, you shouldn't be sitting there trying to figure out, is this real? Is this fake? It just is. Wrestling, at the end of the day, like, if you're, if you're a wrestling fan and I'm a wrestling fan, like, we should just be accepting things like this just is right now. Oh, is Sasha Banks really mad at Ronda Rousey? Who cares? She's publicly mad at Ronda Rousey. So this is just a story that we're being told. This just is. I don't know where it's going. I don't know what it means. I don't know if it was scripted. I don't know what it was, but it just is. And I think that that's the best thing that you can do as a wrestling fan. Just accept things as they are. This just is, you know? Um, it may be tough to sell Ronda as a heel. Now, I don't think you're going to. I don't, I, don't, I don't think that you're going to sell Ronda Rousey as a bad guy. I think Ronda Rousey will always be a good guy. And she will probably go to WrestleMania and do some... Maybe... I don't know if The Rock is going to wrestle, but there'll probably be some kind of tag match. People are talking about maybe a Braun Strowman, Ronda Rousey versus Triple H and Stephanie McMahon at WrestleMania because Braun and Triple H still have that uh, unfinished business. Could be. I don't know. But uh, I think it's going to be really, really interesting. I love that Ronda's in WWE, and I can't wait to see where this story goes. And by the way, me saying that I think that uh, the Ronda Rousey thing is storyline and the tweets are storyline has nothing to do with any inside information. I don't have inside information. I go, I do the kickoff shows, I leave. You know what I mean? I don't I don't have inside information. But it's just as a fan who's watched for as many years as I've watched, that's my theory. So don't forget, if you've got a, 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 a an event that you want to go see, whether it's a concert, whether it's a wrestling show, Download the SeatGeek app and put in code SAM, S-A-M. You can get $20 off whatever tickets you want to buy. SeatGeek is the app to get tickets, and the promo code is SAM to get $20 off. Um, and uh, I guess that's it. We will see you next week right here. This was a long one on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.